welcome back to the Snakescast. On Monday, we introduce you to Imhotep, a great game about building stuff in ancient Egypt. Um, Not mummies. No mummies. That's for the expansion. Your stuff is now haunted. Now you've got me excited. Don't do that. Today we're going to be talking a little bit more about the strategy and getting a little bit deeper into all the weird stuff you can do in the game. really get into the strategy of Imhotep without talking about the way you score these five different places when your cubes show up. So on your turn, you're either taking three, putting them on your sledge, taking one from your sledge, putting it on a boat, or taking one of these boats and sailing it into the obelisks, the temple, the pyramids, the burial chamber, or the market. There they get unloaded and cool stuff happens. Uh, obviously, when a boat arrives, you're going to unload the cubes, you're going to get things, but each of these five places will do something unique for you. So uh, the market they usually put up at the top and the market in some ways is the simplest, in some ways is the most complicated of these things because all the other ones give you points in various different ways for unloading your blocks there. The market doesn't actually give you points. Instead, we have room for four cards. Yes, this game has a little deck of cards, each of which does a cool, useful thing for you. And at the start of every round, we lay out four of them. And whenever somebody unloads one of their blocks at the market, they get to take one of these cards. The cards each come in four colors that each kind of have consistent stuff. Uh, The purple ones are a sort of like set collecting thing. They're statues, and then the number of statues you have at the end of the game scores you points. Right, so if you only get a couple of statues, it's not really worth it. If you get a ton of them, then OMG. The red ones let you do a thing right now immediately. The green ones allow you to score extra points based on how many cubes are on the board at a specific location at the end of the game. So if people have been going for the obelisks heavily, then you go for the one that makes the obelisks worth extra points for you. And the blue ones you actually keep, and they can be used later on instead of one of the regular actions, and they let you do two specific actions instead. So like, do this thing twice, or do this thing and also this thing. So using an action to sort of uh, get one of your cubes over to the marketplace and taking a blue card is kind of like banking an action for later. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're sort of giving up the chance to do something now because you're just taking this card, but later on you're going to get to do two things. So you can sort of plan for bigger moves later in the game. And as for the market, I mean, we did mention that there are these boards are double-sided and the other side A and side B. There isn't actually a huge difference on what the market does from one side to another, but we're going to touch a little bit more on that and sort of like planning what kind of game you want to play on Friday when we go into that. So the next place you can go to is the temple. And temple's got room for either four or five blocks on it, depending on whether you're playing with two or three or four players. And blocks just get unloaded, and they get placed on this row of either four or five blocks. And if all of those are filled, then you cover up one of them. And if those are all filled, then you cover up one of those. At the end of each round, what you do is you look down at the temple from above, and you score points depending on how many of your things you can see. Yeah, so you're going to be scoring five, four, four cubes, basically. Mm -hmm. And this is the only thing that is scored at the end of the round. Exactly. The the, the round ends when all four of those boats have sailed, which is going to take, what, five minutes? Three minutes? It's pretty quick. super quick. Um, Four is not a lot. (laughs) That's the end of the round. And we're going to do a new set. You do that six times, that's the end of the game. So as Emily was saying, at the end of each round, once the boats have scored, you look down from above at the temple, which means it's going to score six times. So if you start out by putting some of your blocks on the temple, and then for the rest of the game people ignore the temple, those blocks of yours are going to score. Over and over and over and over and over again. It's great. Uh, 
On the other hand, if you have a ton of blocks there, that really incentivizes the other players to go to the temple and build on top of you, so you can't see your stuff anymore. But that incentivizes you to go to build on top of them. and <sighs> Building. <laughs> and the only big difference between the temple side A and side B is scoring. So, mm. like, you're still doing the exact same thing, just they score slightly differently, like the amount of points, the amount of things that you get at the end of each round. So the obelisks are the next one down, and these don't score until the game is over. All you're doing there when you're unloading your blocks is making a great big stack with them. You stack them up and up and up. You can have a dozen of those things just waiting for them to fall over. And if your obelisk is taller than the other player's obelisks, you get points. And the obelisks actually differ a lot from side A to side to it's side true. B. It's true. Side so, B is really different. Yeah, so side A, you are building one giant stack. like Which is great. It's like the way God intended with obelisks. <laughs> and side B... The gods. The gods, the gods whatever. Uh, the way that side B works is that instead you're building a ton of tiny ones. The mini obelisks. Yeah, so how it works is instead of kind of like constantly adding a cube to the same cube on top of cube on top of cube on top of cube, you've got two spaces and you will like launch your ships. You'll put a cube on the space, you'll put a cube on the other space, and when you place your third cube, that cube instead goes on the scoring track that starts off at 10 points and ends at 5. So instead of building one big one, you're hoping to build a bunch of tinier ones. Yeah, a bunch of obelisks that are all three blocks high. Mm-hmm. And scoring different points every exactly. time, depending how quickly you build them. You kind of want to be there first. You want to be the first one to have three cubes out there, but you don't ever want to have just, well, at least at the end of the game, you definitely don't want to have two sitting there, because that's two cubes so sad. absolutely so sad. nothing for you. Mm-hmm. But uh, so that and uh, that'll score for you at the end of the game. The burial chamber also scores at the end of the game, and this is sort of a grid. It's a big grid. There's room for a lot of cubes here. It actually oh. has room to keep going off the edge of the board. So in theory, you could have these cubes taking over your entire forever. table. You could totally do that, and uh, that is about just getting a bunch of stuff buried in there. What's interesting about the burial chamber is that stuff goes in in a very specific order. Like you're filling out like one row at a time from top to bottom. Mm-hmm. Like and, Egyptian writing. Yeah, like Egyptian writing. And the difference between side A and side B is actually what you're scoring. Um, side B, you're scoring in rows. So this grid is like, kind of like three blocks high and then goes endlessly long. Um, so you're scoring for those three rows. So if you've got the most in row one or row two or row three, you get this many points. Second, you get this many, so on and so forth. But side A is, like, kind of weirder. You're scoring in, like, clumps of cubes you have connected. So you don't actually care about getting as many in a row as you can. You're trying to, like, connect them to make little clumps of cubes of your color. So I presume what this means is that you're trying to get your family members buried together so they can have their eternal rest. Uh, together. With, with some company. You know, yeah. they, don't, they don't have to sit with those nasty other families played by the other players. That's, that, that's that's not what you want when you're having your eternal Egyptian rest. Um, and finally, of course, pyramids. And when you drop points on the pyramids, they score immediately because, of course, they do. It's pyramids, the best thing ever. Uh, they go in a certain order, you know, again, top to bottom and left to right. But uh, each of these spaces where you can put things has a number on it. That number tells you how many points it's worth to go in that particular spot. You don't really have a choice about where you're going. And the higher up you are on the pyramid, the more points it's worth. But what's interesting is beyond that, like beyond how high you're on the pyramid, 
each sort of like space in the pyramid has like what seems to be a randomly assigned value. Like seems there's no like rhyme or reason to it, which is great. So it's not like layer one is worth one point, layer two is worth two points, layer three is worth three points. It's this particular spot on layer one is worth one point for some reason, and then this other one is worth three for no reason, and this one is worth four, <laughs> and then these three are worth two. And it's great. So I'll give you an example. The first three spots that are going to take, taken up on side A of the pyramids are a two and a one and a three, which means if a boat arrives here and it's got three blocks on it, the first one, the one at the front of the boat that gets unlocked, that's going to be two points for that person. The second one, that's going to be one point. Very sad for you. The third one, the one that's at the back of the boat, that's getting three points. Just because. But then the next row over, so once you've completed that row there, is worth two, and then four, and then three points. Well, the four is right at the heart of the pyramid, the middle. Yeah, like structural integrity. Not not only that, but that's also where the cool, hidden treasure, you know, King Tutankhamun's tomb type stuff Mm -hmm. is going to be, so obviously. So when we were talking about how interesting it is that you can, like, choose where on the boat you want to throw your cubes, this is the sort of stuff where it becomes interesting, Mm -hmm. you know? Because, like, I don't want to be first if being third means I get twice as many points as you do. Of course not. But I'm totally going to sail this boat into there because you're first on this boat. And and you're a monster. Yes. And sides A and B of the pyramid differ in that side A is just one big pyramid that you're trying to build. And then side three is three smaller ones. And you get to pick which one you wind up getting set up on. So it may be that this pyramid has a good spot next and that one doesn't. Or it may be that you just happen to arrive at a time when all three of those pyramids have nothing but a crappy spot for you. Womp womp. <laughs> Side B also has sort of like special powers to it. So whereas side A, you just get points. Side B, there are slots on the pyramid where you can get extra cards, extra cubes, or throw stuff on ships for free. Yeah, there's a fair bit going on here. But despite the fact that it sounds like a lot, when you see it laid out, you know there they are, these five little things, each with just one little sentence of text on it that tells you when it scores and how it works. Once you get going with this game, it has a remarkably smooth flow to it. Super smooth. It's got, again, when I say this is an ideal cafe game, this is what I'm talking about. The fact that you can start fairly quickly, and yet it's got substance. It's got bite. There's stuff going on here. There are choices that are meaningful as to where to place those cubes, where to sail those boats, when to help yourself, and when to just mess up the other player's plans. It's a good way to sort of show people who've only played stuff like Monopoly and Clue, just what games can be, not, not only in terms of, uh, of the choices that you make, but in terms of its presentation. I mean, it looks really beautiful. And that's about all we have time for today, uh, but join us on Friday when we talk a little bit more, talk about strategy, which sides we like better for no reason than just we like them. And also, what kind of players are not going to enjoy this game. <laughs> Thank you.